Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome into another edition of College Golf Talk. Steve Burkowski, Brentley Romine with you. We're... Late October now, uh, Brentley <laughs> year is just kind of whipped around and, um, you know, a few more tournaments, a few more weeks and this consolidated fall season will come to an end. But, um, you know, maybe we'll start real quickly with some news about the NCAA championships, what it's going to look like uh, beyond uh, 2023, uh, 2022, as some news has come out. Um, we're going to stay out west. Why don't you keep people uh, updated what the next six years are looking like for the NCAAs? Yeah, so Greyhawk actually gets three NCAA championships after all. Last year or earlier this year, the uh, you know the the 2020 NCAA championships, which was supposed to be Greyhawk's first uh, finals, that was canceled. They will now get the 2022 or no 2021, 2022, and 2023. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Broco. That that sound right? <laughs> no, no, no. You're good. My wife was walking in, so I was letting her know we're doing a podcast. But yeah. 21, 22, 23 is Greyhawk. And then. And then we go to Carlsbad, California. Omni La Costa Resort, the champions course. I was doing a little bit of research on this uh, course, Burko. And right now it's listed at 71.51 in terms of yardage. Is that uh, that too short for these guys? I think it's going to look differently in 24, 25, and 26 from the rumblings I heard to make this uh, deal. Uh, consummated and finalized that there was going to be some renovations with renovations. You could maybe see 7150 playing like 7520 possibly. So um, yeah, Greyhawk gets its third year. We'll stay out West for three more years in Carlsbad. So uh, I think we've found you look at Eugene, you look at other events on our air or on TV in general. Primetime golf is kind of amazing. So Greyhawk will get its three years, and then California the three years after that. And again, I have a little bit of trivia for you, Burka. Give me, give me some trivia. What do we got? All right. So this this course was uh, designed first designed. It's been renovated since, but first designed in 1965 by Joe Lee and Dick Wilson. Can you name one golf course that Joe Lee can be attributed to? And it's Uh, very it's very close to us. I cannot. Bay Hill. You know what? When you said close to us, I almost took a random shot at something Central Florida based. Yeah. Bay Hill, Cog Hill, Warwick Hills, the 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 hill zone. He likes oh. a lot of hills. He likes hills. Well, and Drow Blue, yeah. original Drow Blue. The original. So that's a little news from the NCAA's. And again, I think we talked about it on the last podcast. They're not making rash decisions. We know only two of the Power Five uh, conferences are playing college golf in the fall. 
The other three hope to start in 21, but they're on track to do what we normally would do in a calendar year, a golf season in terms of regional preparing for NCAs other than the 500 rule being thrown out for the men. They're going to watch, wait, and react, which I think is quite honestly the best way to approach it. So let's hope in, what, six months from now we're talking about conference championships and regional selections um, and, and what will happen from there. And, and part of the fall season that I was a part of, gosh, what, about 10 days ago, the Blessings Collegiate Invitational. Uh, Great event. Fayetteville, Arkansas, a lot of fun. All the SEC teams were there. That wasn't the original plan um, by John Tyson, who uh, honestly, without him, that tournament would not have happened. Uh, you talk about somebody dialed into college golf. I spent about 20 minutes with him on the first tee of the final round. He was picking my brain. That guy knows his stuff. I mean, it's kind of, uh, uh, I told him, I said, it's refreshing to see how intrigued and interested you are of making your event uh, better. And I thought it was a great start. Uh, from your perspective watching, what did you take away from, we'll start with the men and then the women's, uh, you know, when we take a look at what Bama did and how interesting that individual race came down the stretch on the men's side. Well, first off, Berko, I mean, is there anyone, I mean, you mentioned John Tyson. I, I mean, is there any one person that is, is so crucial to a program than, than he's been to you know, the University of Arkansas. And I mean, you, you talk about all the great teams and you know, they, they all have that, you know, the booster or that kind of supporter that helps them get to where they are. And, you know, I think we'd be remiss to not give Tyson more praise for what he's done and building that course and what he's meant to that program. But um, yeah, I mean, take away from the men's side of blessings, the, the Alex Goff story from Kentucky. I mean, that, I don't, I don't know if I remember as good a feel good story in the last, I don't know, decade of me covering college golf. I mean, I'm sure there's been a few with SMU last year getting to match play, but um, Alex Goff making a, you know, it's been 10 days now, but what did he, what did he finish? He finished triple double. Yep. Had a double, six shot, double, had, triple. A six, had a six shot lead with five holes to go and, and almost lost carrying the bag of former teammate, former roommate, from Kentucky, Cullen Brown, who had lost his year-long battle with cancer just two months early. Yeah, and it, I mean, I I was looking for the tissues uh, during that post-round interview because, I mean, to see how much that team has gone through, you know, not only with with Cullen's death, um, and he, I mean, he was a super great kid. I mean, covering him in junior golf, um, I mean, he was kind of the the life of the party, but. Not only do they go through that, but then they go through what everyone else has gone through with the season being canceled and uh, the pandemic, and it's just a lot. And you could really tell in the emotions of, of Alex Goff just how much that meant to him. And yeah, just a, a really a really awesome way to start out the season for the SEC. And um, you know, I I think we're going to see more of Kentucky as the year goes on. Yeah, and one thing that happened to golf there on 18, and it happened to Georgia earlier, with all five team members playing together, 
you better know where your golf ball is. Yeah, how about you better that? have yeah. it readily identifiable. All five Kentucky guys hit it in the same bunker within 10 feet of each other in the 18th fairway. I get yeah. it. Things happen. You simply – you better know. You better mark it with different dots. I want to take nothing away from the story. If he hits the right ball – there are emotions, but not nearly to the hilt of, oh, my God, I just lost this golf tournament. Yeah, the, these kids are creatures of habit, though. So, I mean, they don't play in five sums other than practice rounds. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot of benefits. I, I, I still think the, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, be be the negative Nancy. But I, I think in terms of pace of play and in terms of like what we saw with Georgia and Kentucky, um, you know, I, I don't hope we see five sims too much more in college golf, but I mean, it's, it's, it's nice, you know, to kind of start the season with that, to kind of, for coaches certainly to get a gauge on how their guys are playing and for the younger guys to see how some of these, uh, you know, studs and, uh, experienced players, uh, compete under the gun. I think that's beneficial too, but yeah, from, from, from a pace of play standpoint, I, I'm very, uh, happy to get back to five count four and playing in threesomes. Yeah. Alabama men also making a statement. What impressed you about them? Yeah. I, I think the return of Davis shore, um, he's, he's going to be key because we know that Wilson fur coming off being the medalist at the USAM, we know he's going to have a, a really great year or at least I expect him to, um, but getting Davis shore back. I mean, this, this kid was, I believe he, he reached number two in the junior golf rankings, but um, one of the top recruits um, was was in contention in every junior event you could imagine. But about a year and a half ago, um, started having some issues with his lower back. It turned out to be a pretty bad hip impingement. Had surgery, I'm wanting to say, a little more than a year ago. Um, it took him out for five to six months. Um, I could be off on the numbers a little bit. But around that time, he slowly started to get back into things last spring. But clearly wasn't himself. I mean, he's taken a nosedive in the world amateur golf ranking. So we didn't see him at the Western. We didn't see him at the U S amateur, but he played really well at blessings and he showed some glimpses. And I really expect him as long as he can continue to stay healthy, to get back to where they're counting on him as their number two or three player. Plus also Alabama didn't have their sophomore Cannon Claycomb, who was AJJ multi-time AJGA All-American. So once they get Cannon back and with the healthy Davis Shore, Wilson Fur, Thomas Ponder's been um, pretty, uh, you know, incredible for them this past four or five months. So this is a team to, to watch. I think Bama's back. Yeah, no, they look good. And, and Cannon didn't get through qualifying. He lost out on that last spot in qualifying, according to head coach J.C. Well. So that's a really good problem to have. If you're the head coach of Alabama, as you said, we'll keep an eye on them throughout the rest of the fall heading into the spring. And then on the women's side, quickly, uh, Arkansas holding serve at home. And, and boy, Brooke Matthews put on a show. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you would think Arkansas was playing on their home course. But, you know, Blessings, blessings it's one of those courses that it's a little different. I mean, it, it's, a, it's, it's very tough. It's very long. It's demanding. But there's some quirks to it. And it really shows that these Arkansas players play there every day. Um, but Arkansas is still a good team. I, I don't think they're 
quite as good as maybe they were when they had Maria Fossey and Dylan Kim, but they're not far off and they have a lot of young players. And I think Brooke Matthews proved that she's ready to kind of take that next step and join the upper echelon of some of the best women's uh, college golfers in the country. And I look for Arkansas to do good things. Um, I was a little disappointed by South Carolina. I thought that they could maybe show a little bit more because I expect them to compete for a national title this year. Um, but other than that, yeah, not, not a lot of su surprises. Ingrid Lindblad, um, I thought that was a great quote by LSU coach Garrett Runyon that she's like their Joe Burrow. And I mean, she certainly plays like it. I, I'm, I'm sure you watched her um, at the Blessings. It was impressive. <laughs> it was impressive on that broadcast. Yeah, she, you know, got off the rails a little bit coming down the stretch, but there was a 9 to 12 hole uh, window where she didn't miss a golf shot. Did yeah, not that, miss a golf shot. The LPGA is, is going to get – now, I don't know how long some of these – super freshman last year stay in school but between Lynn Blod and Lynn Grant from ASU and Pauline Rasheem Bouchard from South Carolina if they all kind of leave school early maybe at the end of this season or next season the LPGA or maybe the LET maybe they decide to play in Europe but the LPGA is going to get a huge influx of talent and uh, I mean I've been saying it since last year that last year's freshman class is incredible and Lindblad might be the most impressive out of all of them. The good thing for us, selfishly, talking to Garrett Runyon of, and I asked him that question point blank, how long is she hanging around for? And he said, education is very important to the players, especially coming from Sweden. He said, skill set wise, she could probably leave tomorrow. He fully expects her to be there for four years. Wow. Well, yeah, we'll see. Again, that can change. And again, the world isn't rosy out there in professional golf right now. We're still trying to get our way back into the game. Q schools, no Q schools. But uh, regardless, whenever Ingrid Lindblad goes uh, professional, she's going to be fun to watch. And that will sort of transition us into the women. Wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, T what? time out, Berko. Yeah. Think of the last, the, the last two biggest Swedish women's players in college golf. Did they stay all, all four years? Well, how, Think of Florida State, Frida Schinholt. Yeah. She she uh she left after two, and Linnea Strom from ASU. She left after three. I'm just telling you what Garrett run, and maybe he was trying to pitch <laughs> it to me. That education is important, uh, and I hate it. Like they're so good, I hate when they go professional. And I'm selfish. I'll never begrudge them for chasing it, but you will never get these college years back. Oh, never, no. ever, ever. And as good as you think you are. Look at Maria Fossey, who stayed all four years. It hasn't been the smoothest of transitions. Cup shows, thrown her name in there. Yeah, she's Periodic, been. Periodically, but, you know, and those are players that went all four years and were by far the two best players in college golf on the women's side 18 months ago. That's my, my parental fatherly side, stay in school, don't rush. There's nowhere you're going that you can't get to a year or two from now. Uh, as the SEC are wrapping up the women at the alley in Mississippi, so they still have one day to go. South Carolina with the lead beginning the final round, and I want to touch on something you did. It's a weird dynamic of how this year is playing out. I agree with you 100%. Of could very well be the best team in the country. They go five, six, seven deep. 
Uh, and they've got one of their best players still in Europe that hopefully yeah. will be back in 21. Anna Pelias. You know, uh, and, and to pick up Panipa Pantong from Kent State, who was one of the top five or ten players in college golf, in my opinion, and she comes over for her fifth year. I, I think the reason uh, they, they dug too big of a hole day one at the Blessing. They, they couldn't yeah. quite uh, get out of it. But, um, you know, as they wrap up there, Lindblad in the mix again. But I'm like you. I'm circling on the Lady Gamecocks from South Carolina. This could be their year. And we're very early on. But they're as talented as any. Yeah, Pim's like the Jalen Hurts or the Russell Wilson, like that super transfer, the graduate transfer. She might yeah. be one of the best transfers that we've had in, in at, at least on the women's side. I mean, well, the, you, you most decorated, you know, four years in, four-time All-American, conference player of the year multiple times at Kent State. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard, I think seven collegiate wins, played in the second to the last pairing, Augusta National in the women's amateur last year. I mean, she's checked every box, so it's going to be interesting to watch them. Um, throughout the fall uh, and into the spring. And the men, um, you know, the Big 12 and the SEC are the two main conferences playing. Uh, a lot of Big 12 flavor at the Merido that wrapped up. Why don't you uh, give people the lowdown on what happened in Texas? Do summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from the Home Depot. With free delivery on over 2 million items, you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening. Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The Merido Swing, Burka. We're, we're still, we still got a few more events at, at Merido before the year's over. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, Oklahoma State, they're back. Oklahoma State, 16 over, wins by three over Pepperdine, um, which was able to travel. We'll see them, obviously, this weekend at the Eastlake Cup. But Pepperdine travels over, and Oklahoma State beats them by three. Austin Ekro. I mean, we say Oklahoma State's back. I think Ekro's back. T2 um, had a chance to at least force a playoff, bogeyed two of his last three holes. Super deep team. Um, you know, there's there are a few pretty good players that didn't travel, uh, including Aman Gupta, who we saw at the U.S. Amateur. Um, Oklahoma, third. Baylor was, was in it for a while, slipped late, and Texas rounds out the top five. Um, but I, I really want to talk about what I think has been, other than Alex Goff, probably the story of the fall so far, and that's Texas Tech's Kyle Hogan. He won the individual title at Merido, was playing as an individual. This is a kid that beat 
just one player at the U.S. Amateur. One. He, he finished like T1 or T257. There were 264 players, I believe, in the field. He beat just one of them. Didn't qualify for the team's first two events this fall. Obviously, was playing as an individual. Was actually talking to him last night, and he said he had lost so much confidence, and he didn't know where the ball was going, that during that opening qualifier for the Colonial event a couple months ago, he walked off the course after nine holes and then decided to take about maybe five or six days away from the game, didn't pick up a club, went to visit his dad, kind of cleared his head, and actually finished ninth in the qualifier for Merido. But Texas Tech coach Greg Sands figured, you know, this is a great opportunity. We got these extra individual spots. Let's throw Kyle in there and see what he does. And lo and behold, he wins the individual title. And a really cool bonus is that he will be playing in the PGA Tours Houston Open in, I believe it's two weeks now, Burko. So, yeah. I mean, what a time What a time to win. And that's going to help him uh, in PGA Tour University as well. Yeah, God, what a story for someone that walked off the golf course, as you said, uh, so now I'm going to play in a PGA Tour event in a few weeks, and uh, you touched on it, the PGA Tour U rankings, the latest movers and shakers. Uh, who are a couple that have caught your eyes, as we want to remind people again, the top five at the end of the season, Corn Ferry Tour status, 6 through 15, uh, international tour status on uh, under the PGA Tour umbrellas. Not a ton of movement at the top, but... Um, one or two players maybe making a, a, a step up in the right direction in your eyes? Yeah, so we obviously don't have the Merido results factored in yet, but we touched on Hunter Walcott. He's up to 17 after his runner-up finish at the Blessings. I look for him to continue to rise. Um, and I'll just give a couple names that are outside the top 30 right now who I think could make their way right around that 15 mark by the time we enter the spring. One of them's Jonathan Brightwell from Oklahoma. Um He's at 31 right now. Obviously, they only have one more event, so it may take him a couple events in the spring to really move up. But he's a guy that I would keep an eye on. Walker Lee, 33 from Texas A&M, another really good player. And I'm just I'm going all the way down. We talked about Kyle Hogan. He's at 47. He's going to jump up a lot, and then he's going to get that PGA Tour start. So if if he can play well at Memorial Park and perhaps make the cut, that's going to be a huge chunk of points and he's going to be able to really climb that ladder. And, um, you know, that, that would be really cool to see considering what we just talked about. Yep. Uh, PGA tour events and major championships, uh, on top of college, uh, tournaments are what goes into the PGA tour, uh, university rankings. So we'll have those updated on our next podcast in a couple of weeks time, a couple of days from now, the East Lake cup, um, Somehow, some way, we made it happen, and the four men's teams, we'll start with them, are coming off the golf stat rankings when the season was canceled in March. Well, lo and behold, the top four teams in no particular order, Pepperdine, Oklahoma, Texas, and Texas Tech. Three of those, Big 12, they're playing college golf. Pepperdine got a waiver, so from that side, uh, it's about as good as you could hope for. Um, quick thoughts on your expectations of – what we're going to see in Atlanta in a few days. Yeah, I'll go team by team and just kind of throw out a little nugget. Uh, a couple teams are dealing with injuries to arguably their best players. Um, Garrett Rebans, 
kind of been eased back into action um, since uh, injuring his wrist. And I believe he had surgery on that or his hand actually. Um, so they're still easing him back. They, he played a match at the big 12 match play, but didn't make the trip to Merido. I don't know if we'll see him, but obviously Oklahoma very deep with the addition of Jonathan Brightwell from UNCG. Um, and so I look for Oklahoma. I mean, Hibble knows how to get his guys ready for match play. They've obviously won an NCAA title in the past three or four years. So that's something to keep an eye on for Oklahoma, Texas tech. Um, Sandy Scott had to withdraw for, during the final round of Merido. He's got a little bit of a wrist injury, uh, injury to his right wrist. Um, so they're going to kind of wait and see. He's going to get an MRI. Um, Sands doesn't know yet if he will make the trip. Uh, if not, Tech's got a deep team as well. I think Berkeley, they put eight guys in the U.S. Amateur this past summer and could have had 10 or something like that. So we could technically see maybe uh, Carl Diedrich mean Fosas uh, in the lineup for Texas Tech. How about that one, right? Of course we could, and we'll let the, you handle the, the pronunciation. <laughs> the, the, I, I call him the baby-faced Fosassin because he looks like he's about eight years old. So he's I the, like it. He's the Fosassin. Um, there you go. Pepperdine, uh, I mean, all these teams coming are super deep. I mean, they're, they're yeah. six and seven guys could start for most teams in the country. But William Mouse playing really well. Dylan Minate's got gotten off to a really incredible start. He'll probably, probably be in that player of the year conversation um, as we enter the spring. RJ Mankey, T4 at Merido. Um, we could see Joe Highsmith um, finally crack the lineup after finishing 12th as an individual at Merido. And then Texas. Um, this is going to be hard to believe, but Cole Hammer notches his first top 10 uh, yesterday at Merido. His first top 10 since the Olympia Fields event last fall. So that's over a year that Cole went without a top months. 10. And yeah. as, I, as I tweeted last night, it doesn't take much to get great players going. And we could see this be the start of a run by Cole Hammer. And we all know what he can do when he's on top of his game. I mean, looking back to the summer of 2018, where he won the Western and was runner up at the U S amateur at Pebble beach. So Texas looks like they have Cole Hammer back playing like Cole Hammer. And it'll be interesting to see that that fifth spot for Texas has been a real, um, you know, strength for them this year because the competition at home has been so great. You've had between Christopher bring and Hunter Ostrom, and even someone like Mason Nome, who hasn't cracked the lineup yet, but has played super well on these qualifiers. Um, John Fields has a lot of uh, competition at home right now in Austin. So that's another strong team. I've looked for maybe Texas to defend their title last year. Wow. Big, big statement. But as you said, you're right. All four of those, they've got depth. It's a really great opportunity for those four programs. The women's teams, a little bit down in the rankings from the standpoint Going off of golf stat in March when the season was canceled, you would have Duke. You'd have Wake Forest. Well, the ACC is not playing. You might have Stanford, USC, UCLA. Well, the Pac-12 is not playing. Uh, still well represented with South Carolina, Florida, Old Miss, and then Texas from the Big 12. Uh, even though they're a little shorthanded lineup-wise, uh, why don't you give us a quick uh, breakdown of those four teams for the ladies? Yeah, we arguably have the top four teams in the country still on the men's side. But the women's side, you're right, uh, missing Wake, missing USC, UCLA, and some of those Pac-12 teams. It kind of takes a hit to the field, but 
I mean, these are all, these are still four teams that are top ten programs. Um, we we talked at length about South Carolina on this podcast, and seems about the previous six podcasts before that. But um, you know, Texas is a team that has been very very good during the regular season these past few years. I believe they've won three straight Big Twelve titles now. Um, but they need to take that next step and match play has almost kind of been their Achilles heel. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the Longhorns do. They haven't had a great fall so far. Um, they've been outpaced by Baylor. Baylor's won both of those, you know, majority big 12 events to kick off the fall. Um, and a lot of that, as you mentioned, Burko, they're missing a got Lenny and Sarah Kuskova who will join the team in the spring. But Caitlin Papp also, Interesting. I mean, she opted not to play in that first event. She played um, the second event, their home uh, home tournament. But I believe we'll see her in the lineup, and you'll probably um, have a couple younger and experienced players in Ashley Park and Bentley Cotton go along with Sophie Go and Haley Cooper. So that's still a team that could win. I think South Carolina is still the favorite. Um, and Florida and Ole Miss are – both pretty solid top to bottom. I, I kind of like Ole Miss. They, they remind me a lot of that Auburn team a couple years ago at Blessings mm-hmm. that made that run in match play. Um, this is a real scrappy team, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, you know, lift the title at Eastlake. Uh, they, they, they have the depth. It's just going to be about if they get the right five players because that's the name of the game in college golf for these coaches is – you know, the, to, to avoid the curse of the individual. I mean, look at Texas Tech at Merido. They, they had an individual win, and they had another individual who I believe was their second highest finisher. So it's all about bringing the right five players to a tournament. Um, but again, the players m- most often have to qualify and take care of that themselves. So, But yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll be interesting. It's not the USC, Wake, you know, Texas, and UCLA battle that we're used to, but it's, it's still going to be fun. It is. And, you know, the opportunity that these coaches have, I mean, they'll all tell you the same thing. They'll all tell me the same thing. But I remember three, four years ago, Illinois is there. They got a couple of freshmen. They played two events and Mike Small, the head coach, throws them up against two senior All-Americans from another team. And I looked at him and said, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going to learn really quickly what these kids are made of. It's a Was that Dylan Meyer and Nick Hardy? No, no, I'm going to say it was that. And as soon as you said that, I feel like it was the Beagles bomb Gartner year going. Yeah. And I don't remember who they played, but it was like going up against two of the best from the year before. And he said, why not find out in October if they've got what it takes to, to go against one of the best in the country? The, the, the great coaches realize what this opportunity can present to the players, to the coaches. So come six months from now, if you've got a freshman that's got to take down a first-team All-America selection, they can say, well, I did it six months ago. I'm not yeah. afraid of this guy. So th- that's the dynamic that intrigues me the most um, about what you can learn about your team. You know, how good are they? I just looked at the weather forecast, Burko, for Atlanta, for the Eastlake Cup. It's really nice. It's supposed to be really nice. It's yeah. high of 79 High of 76 on Wednesday, nothing more than a 30% chance of rain. It's, I mean, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a nice week. It'll be good. Are you going to be up there? Are you going to join us? Yeah, I'm going to be up there. 
All right. Well, I'm going to join us, uh, join you up there as well. Our broadcast will get going uh, Monday. We'll be on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon. And then we'll be back um, in a couple of weeks. We'll wrap up the fall season, give us the latest PGA Tour U rankings. So to get our thoughts, maybe we'll throw a special guest on as well. But as always, we appreciate you for tuning in, listening to College Golf Talk. And we will do it again uh, a few weeks from now. So for Brentley Romine, I am Steve Burkowski. We'll see you down the road very soon. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.